I tell you what, God has been messing with me the last few weeks through this series on perspective, and then Pastor Steve spoke last week on hope, and uh, I needed it. I don't know, maybe it was just for me, I don't know, but I'm sure grateful because I have seen God start transforming me, where I started from a few weeks ago to where I am right now. God has been transforming me, and man, did I need it, and I'm very grateful. But today, we're going to start talking about the perspective of courage. Courage. It's not one of those words that we, like, use every day. And, but every time we do use it, it's with respect. It's with awe. Because we know the person we're describing as being courageous has been fighting something very difficult. It always comes with something hard. In fact... Webster defines courage as a mental or moral strength to persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So we all want to be courageous, right? But we really don't want to look for the opportunity. But sooner or later, the opportunity is going to find you. If you live long enough, an opportunity is going to come up for you to show how courageous, how much courage you have. And you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to show courage or am I going to take the easy way out? And it's going to be completely your call. The Bible is so packed full of examples of men and women that have shown extreme courage. The Bible says from time to time, Be of courage. Don't be afraid. Over and over and over. Could it possibly be God's trying to tell us something? Possibly. But of all of the characters in the Bible, today we're going to talk about two. And I'm going to tell you up front, their whole reason I chose these two is because of their age. I'm just, I mean, that's a thing, you know? The first one is a young guy, and he is brave. He's courageous. He's got lots of energy. And the other guy is an old guy. He is scared. And the self-confidence he ever had as a youth has long dissipated. Let's talk about number one, David. Now, David later becomes the king of Israel, the greatest king Israel has ever known. And even today, a few thousand years later, if you go over to Israel, it's his star that's on the flag of Israel the star of David. But today we're going to take just a few minutes to talk about when he was a youngster. If you open your book of the Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. Who has heard the story of David and Goliath? Well, a lot of people have, but you'd be surprised. Some people haven't. So for those of you that have heard it, just hang with me a few minutes. We're going to review. And for those of you that may have never heard it, you're going to be introduced to David and Goliath today. Okay, so the scripture opens, chapter 17, and we're stepping into the scene of a battle. The Israelite soldiers are camped on one hill. Their enemy, the Philistines, are on another hill, and the Bible tells us there's a huge valley between the two. Have you ever seen like an an old movie or a movie on an old war, you know, and they've got their swords and their spears and all of that? And they're camped out on two different hills, and then they collide. Well, that's what's going on here. They're camped out, ready for the battle. 
But the Bible right away tells us that the enemy camp had a huge giant. And by huge, I mean like nine foot. And I mean like huge. And every stinking day, he would come out and he would yell across at the soldiers at the Israelite camp. He'd make fun of them. He would taunt them. And every day, the Bible says, those soldiers took off running and hiding. They would find him a rock, a tree man. They were getting out of the way because they were terrified of this guy. And to be really honest, so would you. So would I. So verse 12 tells us, David is a son of Jesse. He is the youngest of eight boys. He's busy taking care of his father's sheep because that was his chore. He was the shepherd of his daddy's sheep. The Bible says his dad calls him in and says, hey, I need you to take some food to your three oldest brothers who are soldiers in the Israelite camp. Okay, I want to do a little basic math here with you just a second so that you know about how old David is, okay? Got this? Okay, David is the youngest of eight. His three oldest brothers are in the army as soldiers. Earlier in the Bible, it tells us that when you, and you were a male and an Israelite, when you turned 20, you were a soldier in the army. So if you're doing the math, that means that the three oldest are in their 20s, that means there's still four more big brothers that aren't even 20 yet. With me? So that means if mama had a baby boy every year, there was still a boy 16, 117, 118, 119. And David was younger than that. So the Bible pretty much lets us know he was maybe 15, maybe. That's not the big issue here, but I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of why I said this was a young guy. He was a young guy. So he goes, he takes the food his dad asked him to to his brothers. While he's there in their camp, he gets to experience for himself this giant Goliath come out and yell across this massive valley. He sees his brothers and all of the other soldiers take off running and hiding, and he thinks, wait, I got this. You ever saw a kid before that seemed to have too much confidence, you know? But no, he meant it. But he had to convince King Saul that he was the man for the task. And I guess since nobody else was stepping up, the king's like, okay, let's do this. So the Bible tells us David takes off across this valley. And right away, Goliath is not a happy camper. He is sneering and making all kinds of remarks and calling David this red-faced little boy. But do you think David turned around and ran back? Mm -mm. The Bible tells us he started running. He started running toward this giant. He took out a slingshot, put in a stone, gave it a whirl, and the Bible tells us that that stone hit the forehead of Goliath and he face-planted. Boom. David went on over and finished the job. He took Goliath's sword and cut off his head. And that day, the battle was won. The Israelites won because David showed so much courage. We're going to come back to this story. But let's go talk about the old man. Have you heard of Moses? Moses is the one when we sing about the Red Sea parting and everybody walking through, the children of Israel walk through to freedom. That's the Moses I want to take just a couple minutes and share with you about. Now, when Moses first heard his instructions from God, the Bible tells us he was terrified, and this is how it went down. Exodus chapter 3, we're introduced to Moses as, and the Bible tells us he's 80 years old. 
It's pretty old. He's 80 years old, and you know what he's doing? He, too, is watching his father-in-law's sheep. He's just being a shepherd, just like David had been. And God starts talking to him out of a burning bush. And when God starts talking, do you know what he did? He was so frightened. The Bible says he covered his face. He was scared to death, but that didn't stop God. God kept talking to him. God said, Moses, I have heard the cries of my people as they are slaves in Egypt and they are being so mistreated and I've heard their cries for help and you know what, it's time. We're gonna go get them. We're gonna tell Pharaoh, let my people go and guess who I've chose to do this? It's you, Moses. Wouldn't that be an honor? But do you know what Moses did? He started arguing with God. He said, wait, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. So God says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. But still, Moses continues to fight. And he says, if I go, they're going to question me. God said, well, just tell them I sent you. I'm Yahweh, the God of their forefathers. Wasn't good enough. Moses kept arguing. But what if they won't believe me? What if they won't believe me? And God performs a couple miracles for Moses to show him it truly was him talking to him. You think that'd give him confidence? Yeah. He still continues arguing. And he starts saying, God, you know, we have to point out our, our shortcomings to God sometimes because he don't know, you know. He's saying, God, I can't talk. Like I stammer and I struggle with my words and they just don't come out right. So, nah, I'm not your guy. And God said, wait a minute think made you? Who do you think made your mouth that you're complaining about? Oh, yeah. You think that would settle it for Moses? But no. One more time, the Bible shows us that Moses is like, okay, God, anybody else, just not me. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were God, after this much opposition, I may have said, forget you, but that's not God. How many knows God don't stop on you? He don't give up on you. When he's got a plan, he don't give up on you. So God, yeah, he gets a little angry with Moses, the Bible tells us. But he says, you know what? I'm going to send your big brother Aaron to help you. The stipulation is, I, God, am going to talk to you, Moses. I'm going to tell you what to say. I'm going to tell you what to do. And then you're going to tell Aaron. Okay, so they meet with Pharaoh. They start getting the ball rolling. But the Bible lets us know that it takes 10 plagues that God has to fall on Egypt before finally Pharaoh lets the children of God go free. So I want to point out something that I had never noticed before until recently. On the first plague, Exodus chapter 7 tells us that Aaron raised his staff and he struck the water of the Nile and it turned to blood. Plague number two. So Aaron raised his hand over the waters of Egypt and frogs came out and covered the whole land. Plague number three. When Aaron raised his hand and struck the ground with it, gnats infested from the dust of the, of the land and covered the Egyptians and their animals. Now, I'm not going to go through all ten, so breathe. But there's something that happened between plague number three 
and plague number six. Because on the sixth plague, we read this. Moses threw the soot into the air and boils broke out on the people. Okay, seven. Moses raised his staff toward the sky and the Lord sent thunder, hail, and lightning flashed. Do you see what the difference is? The first three, Aaron did it. Then all of a sudden from six and on, it's Moses. So what do you think happened between three and six? I'll tell you what I think happened. I think Moses was spending so much time talking with God, hanging out with God because God had said, remember, I'll tell you what to say. I'll tell you what to do. Then you tell Aaron. So I think the more he hung out with God because before and after every plague, Moses and God were hanging out talking. And I think the more time Moses spent in the presence of the Lord, talking and, and you know, getting instructions and all, I think he took his eyes off of himself. I think he realized it had nothing to do with his abilities, but everything to do with God's. And I think the other thing that happened, I think he looked at his big brother and, okay, he's 80. So Aaron is older than that. So I think he probably realized, you know, it's not that he is so much better than me. The difference is he's being obedient to God. So from that day forward, from that time forward, we see it's Moses. We see it's Moses leading the million-plus children of Israel out of Egypt. We see Moses holding his staff out over the Red Sea, and it parts, and they walk through on dry ground. So many miracles God performed through Moses because he was obedient, and he spent time with God. It's this Moses that ends up in a mountain with God. God himself writes on a stone of tablet, a tablet of stone, the Ten Commandments. Have you heard of them? And then Moses takes them down to the people. And it's Moses that when you read your Bible, wrote the first books, five books of the Bible. So you see this little old man that had been in the desert with no confidence, scared to death. Look what God did with him. When he took his eyes off of himself onto God and started being obedient. We're going to jump back to David. Let's give him some time too. Okay, so when you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and remember I told you he had to convince King Saul that he was the guy. So this is what happened when he's talking to King Saul. And I'm going to get to the right page to tell you. He said, today the Lord will conquer. And this is why he said that. He said, I am my dad's shepherd. I watch his sheep. And when a lion and a bear come to get the sheep, and they grab a little lamb, I take out after them. I rescue that little lamb. And when the lion and the bear turn on me, he said, I just grab it by the jaw and I club it to death. But he said, this is the words I really want you to hear. The Lord who rescued me from the lion and the bear He's going to rescue me from this Philistine. You get that? He didn't say, hey, in my own strength, I got this. No. He said, the Lord is the one that rescued me from the lion and the bear. So if he did it then, why won't he do it again? And then he goes off taking after the giant 
right before he takes off sprinting, this is his words to the giant itself. He said, today, the Lord will conquer you. And I'm going to kill you and cut your head off. But he went on to say, it's for everyone to know that the Lord rescues his people. And then he says, and we just sang it, this is the Lord's battle. And he is going to give you to us. So I don't know who you most relate with, but it really doesn't matter. The bottom line is we need to take our eyes off of us and start putting our eyes on God. We need to start hanging out with God, building a relationship with God deeper and deeper so that we hear his voice and we hear his instructions and then we can obey. So I don't know, but I'm guessing most of us probably will never have to kill a literal human giant in our life. Chances are pretty good we won't, but I know every one of us is going to have some kind of giant that we're going to have to fight. Now, it might be that God is asking you to work on your marriage, strengthen your marriage. It might be that God is asking you to be a better parent. It might be that God is asking you to step up and volunteer more at the bridge. We're always needing bridge kids, teachers. We're always needing help with the youth. We're always in a lot of need. Maybe God's been talking to you about what more you can do for his glory. Maybe it's just God saying, you know what? It's time to get serious and develop a deeper relationship with me. And I'm going to promise you, whatever your giant is, I may have not even got close to what you're facing, but whatever your giant is, you don't have to fight it alone. Now, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And it's going to make you get out of your comfort zone. It's going to require something of you. But it's not through your strength, and it's not through your power. It's through your willingness to be obedient to what God is calling you to do. What giant is God saying, come on, let's fight it. Let's do this. So today, maybe you're even thinking, well, you know, I've never really even started a relationship with God, so how can I make a deeper relationship with God? And I'm going to tell you, just as in any relationship, there is a starting point. There is a hello. My name is. And this is what the Bible says is your introduction. This is God's word. It's not crystals. But in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the word of God says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, again, let me remind you, this is just the starting point because God has so much more for you. But this is where you start. So today, as we come to the end of this message, I want us to bow our heads and just pray together. Wherever you are in your relationship with God, whatever giant you're, you're fighting, let's just pray together. God, we are coming before you right now. We are confessing with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you 
God, with your power, raised him from the dead. And we're confessing also that we need your strength. We want to be courageous. We want to show courage. But we also know it's not within our own power. We know we need you. We need a savior. And so today we're just coming before you saying, here we are. From this day forward, we're not gonna trust in our own abilities. We're not gonna trust in whether we can or we can't, but in, in what you can through us. So it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Yesterday morning, something happened that I hadn't planned on sharing, but I just have to. Um, I had spent the night with my sister-in-law, Renee, because the guys were all at the lake having their men's retreat. And so Renee and I have known each other for many, many years, and we've gone through a lot together in life. But when we're together, we just praise the Lord together. We turned CC Winans on. We were having church. She got her devotional out, and we were, whoo, this is what the Lord says today. How exciting. And, and so I was sharing with her that I felt like God gave me this message for me. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm no longer a teenager. And if you know me very well, you know this past season of life has been one that I've not felt real courageous in. So I'm telling her this and she's like, oh, hold on, I gotta show you something, I gotta show you something. She runs in the kitchen and she brings back this little box and it looks like a loaf of bread, but it's little. And inside of it, there's a bunch of little cards stacked up on the end. And so she's like, when I was a little girl, my grandma had one of these. And she lived upstairs from us. And so every morning I would run upstairs and grandma would say, okay, get a card, get a card. It's a scripture. And we're gonna read what God's word says today. And we're gonna talk about it. And we're gonna pray about it. So she grew up her whole life with that. And she finally found one. Now she's a grandma and she's got one she can share. But she's like, you wanna do this? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. She's like, okay. You first. And she's standing up and she's holding the box. I'm sitting down. So I re reach up and grab me one. I read it and immediately I start sobbing so hard. I can hardly catch my breath. And so she's like, are you okay? What's wrong? I'm like, no, I'm fine. So composed myself. And she's like, okay, what's it say? What's it say? My scripture said, as I have been with Moses, so will I be with you. I had just been telling her, I relate so much with Moses. You know, if you've lived very long at all, you get some knocks around, you know, like maybe some of the confidence you had as a youth, it's gone because you have seen some failure in your life. You've seen maybe God, you feel has called you to do something and the way you envisioned it happen, is it happening? So you start questioning, what's wrong with me? confidence gets a little less and a little less. But God said yesterday morning, Crystal, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So I want to share my promise with you. If you've been looking for a sign, 